The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Hi, welcome to Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers, a gardening show full of inspiration. I'm Philippa Foes-Lamb, a self-confessed passionate gardener. I've been in the garden industry for many years and I totally enjoy sharing my knowledge with you. Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers is kindly sponsored by the Nelson Farmers Market at Kirby Lane every Wednesday from 8.30am to 1.30pm. Today we're focusing on Egyptian walking onions and more early autumn tasks. At the Nelson Farmers Market, if you're looking for a great lunch, the market highly recommends the gnocchi from What Gnocchi or the vegan pies from Rainbow Kitchen. The gnocchi is incredibly smooth and tasty and comes in a range of flavours. Made by Enrico, the gnocchi is authentically Italian using the best New Zealand ingredients. The vegan pies also make a nourishing and tasty lunch. Don't be fooled into thinking these are not for you if you are not vegan. Hardcore meat eaters and vegans alike love these pies. Again, they come in a range of flavours, and both Wat Ganoki and Rainbow Kitchen can supply you with, ready, with hot, ready-to-eat food or cold to take home and heat later. Autumn is definitely here. Last week's night temperatures were gloriously cool. I loved going out early in the morning and feeling the chilly air on my cheeks. It was 8 degrees one morning, and I was just in heaven while I was watering my nursery. As I'm recording this, it's been raining a little bit, and I'm so happy. After a very wet February, March has been very dry, and I think in all our regions, whether you're in Marlborough, Tasman, Nelson or Golden Bay, I'm fairly sure it's been pretty dry all round. On Sunday, I finally had quality time in my garden. It was just wonderful. Um, sadly, I'm not shipping at the moment, mainly because the, sorry, shipping plants through my perennial nursery because of freight delays. Because my plants are perishable, I just can't risk sending them anywhere at the moment. Even the south parts of the South Island are having problems. So at the moment, I'm not doing that. So that meant that I have the whole of Sunday to be in my garden. And that hasn't happened for a very long time, as you would know if you could see the state of my entire garden. There are weeds everywhere. <clears throat> There's also beautiful plants and lots of flowers. So it's not, and vegetables. It's not, you know, all is not lost. But it just felt so good to just think, I can just do whatever I like in the garden. So the hardest part was deciding where to start, to be honest. On Saturday, when I was at Bay Landscapes, they've just received some lovely citrus and other berries and, and olives and also feijoa trees. And I spotted a blood orange. I've always wanted to grow a blood orange because they're so beautiful and they taste so gorgeous. The first time I tasted them was when I was living in Singapore in the early 2000s. And again, when I was in Italy, they have those gorgeous little um, drinks. That, and there's one that's just slightly sparkly and, and it's made with blood oranges and it is absolutely divine. Blood oranges do need a slightly temperate climate. So I'm taking a bit of a chance. They need a bit more warmth than lemons or limes, but or the common lime rather. But where I've, got it, where I've just planted it, on the north side of the house and the raised beds, it should be okay, I think. I do get frost there, but not that badly because it's, it's against the house. So when I say that, the, my citrus aren't planted against the house because that wouldn't be good for them. They're probably about a metre and a half out from the house, so there, there is just a bit of shelter there. 
And as I say, it's north facing, so plenty of sunshine. I also planted something else very exciting. That's an Egyptian walking onion. Now you might be thinking, what on earth is an Egyptian walking onion? Well, I've been after this particular plant for I don't know how many years. I think, I think my, we might have had one when I was young, but I, I can't honestly remember. But I remember seeing a friend of mine in the States was raving about them and, and she, she posted a video of them. And I just thought, oh, I really want one of these. And I, they did used to be available in garden centres a long time ago, I think. The only way you can get them is if you know someone who's got one, because I'll tell you why in a minute, because then unlike other onions, they don't flower and set seed. They set seed in a completely different way. But I had to tell you a little funny story because I was working at Bay Landscapes the Saturday before last and we've just started getting some plants from a new supplier in Southland. And so I was looking through the list of the herbs you should have seen me when I saw the Egyptian walking onions on the list. I literally was jumping up and down going, they've got Egyptian walking on onions. I'm sort of looking around, people are giving me funny looks. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> it really was quite cute. I just got so excited because I've always wanted one. I mean, how weird is that? I know, you know I'm weird, it's fine. <laughs> oh. Anyway, so I ordered 12 and funnily enough, I bought five of them home. And I'm thinking, why do I need five Egyptian walking onions? <laughs> Oh dear. So what's so lovely about them? Okay, they're very, very special. They grow to, would you believe, 1.2 metres tall. That's that's pretty tall. And instead of flowering, they have, they produce tiny bulbal onions at the top. And what happens is, as the onions grow at the top of the plant, they get slightly heavier and heavier. And eventually, the, the onion stem that it's on, I guess you could call it, a, well you can't really call it a a flower stem because they don't flower so it's an onion stem gradually droops down towards the ground and when it hits the ground those little onions grow and you end up with extra plants here that's why it's called a walking onion because it literally walks itself across the ground just absolutely amazing so you might be thinking okay now you've bought five so when they do that they're going to go completely mad well the other lovely thing about them is you can eat every single part of that plant so you can eat the bulbs that are in the ground you can eat the, the obviously the beautiful luscious green stems when they especially when they're young and you can also eat the onions at the top so you can have these tiny little onions that you can just slice very finely and throw onto your salads i'm actually really looking forward to seeing how what they taste like they might be quite strong, I'm not sure, because if you think about chives, chives, for instance, when they flower, the chive flowers have got a much stronger chive flavour than the chives themselves. So it, it will be really interesting. I'll keep you posted on these, these lovely creatures. So I planted one, I put the blood orange in the centre of the bed, and I have to tell you, it took me about two hours, to, if not longer, to weed this garden, which is probably two metres by two metres. But partly because it was just, I hadn't had a chance to get in there and weed it for probably about a year, which sounds awful when you think it's just on the north side of the house. But when you've got a property like, like ours, there's always something to do. And if you don't have a lot, a lot of time, like I don't, then um, really that sort of thing is going to happen. And I try not to beat myself up about it. There's only so much I can do. So I do, when I, when I do get time in my garden, I definitely just think, okay, which area am I going to work on? I choose one. And then I make sure I compost it and possibly plant something there and then so that I feel as I've accomplished something. I try not to look at the rest that I haven't had time to get to yet. Maybe that'll be next weekend. 
So getting back to these onions, so I planted one there, and with you know, it's, it's well and truly away from the blood orange, so it's not going to harm it. And then I hope, actually hope citrus trees like onions, that's all. I did speak to the, the blood orange and said, you know, I hope you don't mind having an onion near you. I'm sure it'll be fine. It might actually help to keep some of the bugs away. Things like, I don't think whitefly particularly like the smell of onions, so you never know, it could work a treat. And then I went out into the kitchen garden and I dug over an area where my potatoes had been and I planted another Pax gooseberry. This is partly because I was given a Pax gooseberry by a darling friend many years ago and I've, I've taken it wherever I've been. Here it's been weed-eated down to the ground by my darling John probably about three or four times and it has sort of recovered. And when I saw one at Bay Landscapes, I thought, I'm just going to buy another one. So what's so special about a Pax gooseberry? It goes red straight away. You don't have green and then red, and it's slightly sweeter than the Invicta variety. You're on Fresh FM. This is Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers, sponsored by the Nelson Farmers Market at 23 Halifax Street on every Wednesday from 8.30am to 1pm, rain or shine. I'm Philippa Foes-Lamb. Today we're focusing on Egyptian walking onions and more early autumn tasks, which I haven't got to yet. <laughs> at the Nelson Farmers Market, Spring Grove strawberries are into their last couple of weeks at the market, before their season is over, so don't forget to stock up on strawberries. These freeze really well and are great for smoothies or baking over the winter months. As always, there, is, there are heaps of locally grown fruit and vegetables, so please pop on down and see what's fresh this week. So getting back to what I was doing in the kitchen garden, not only did I plant a Pax gooseberry, but I also planted the other four walking onions in a nice little neat row, probably about 30 centimetres apart. So we'll see what happens. It's just going to be a bit, I think, to be honest, I think it will be a lovely thing for children to watch growing because it must be fascinating. In fact, it will be fascinating when you see the little onions at the top and gradually watch it bend over like a, almost like a walking stick and end up down on the ground where it's going to take root and grow. Nature, honestly, is quite incredible. So with moisture around, it's a great time to fertilise fertilize lawns, especially if you like to use dry granular fertilisers, and, and also while the soil temperatures are still pretty warm. It won't be long, particularly if we start getting a few cooler nights, although as an aside, this week I think we've got 16 and 17 degrees here. I'm not sure about Marlborough, Golden Bay or the rest of Tasman. But it is going to be fairly warm at night, This and th that's quite good because it means the soil temperatures won't start to drop too much too quickly. That's why it's a great, it is a great time to fertilise your lawn. Scatter, scatter the dry granular fertiliser fairly sparingly. Try not to be too heavy-handed with it because it is very strong and you don't want to burn your lawn. And if it's raining only lightly, and maybe there might be some heavy rain predicted for the next day, it's still worth, really is worth, hosing it in, or it can burn your lawn, and that's the last thing you want, when what you want to do is feed it. If you have lawns that were sown last spring, and, and you want to give them a bit of a boost, it really would be best during autumn to liquid feed a new lawn. You might be thinking, well, it's not new. You know, I did it in spring, last spring. But in terms of a lawn, that is still quite young. And you might find that the, the roots of the grass are still fairly tender. So dry fertiliser in that instance possibly is not a great idea because you don't want to burn your new lawn. It could be looking fabulous and you just want to give it a boost. So it would be best to liquid feed it if you can. If not, just err on the side of caution and don't fertilise it until this coming spring. 
this might sound a long way away, but in the reality of a lawn, that's not very long at all. So it would be worth waiting. It's time to prune stone fruit trees. Stone fruit? I'm not doing very well today. <laughs> it's time to prune stone fruit trees now. <laughs> Remove any dead wood and any branches that are crossing over. Also, on your plum trees, if you see any leaves that are slightly silvery, this is something called silver leaf, and it is really important to cut that branch off or cut the area of the tree off that has it, because eventually, if, if you leave it, it will eventually kill the tree. So if you can, it's some, it can be quite hard at this time of the year when the leaves are just starting to turn to see whether it's silvery or not. So if you're not sure, just leave be and in spring when the new foliage comes through, you'll definitely see where you need to attack it. A rule of thumb too is if you've got large trees, I have to admit, I've got a French green gauge that is probably, I don't know how many metres tall, but I, I trimmed it back by a third the first year and then for the last two I haven't done anything it's enormous I really do need to do it the main thing to to really try and remember is only take any of your fruit trees or other trees for that matter down by a third at a time what can happen is if you oh there is one exception that's fig trees I'll get to that in a minute if you take more than a third off there is a chance that you could give the tree a heart attack so you're better off to say do a third and then maybe just take a little bit more off next season. So it, it is a much better idea than to hack it right back. Continue to plant vegetables for winter harvest. Oh, sorry, I'll get on to figs. A rule of thumb with figs is you can be as brutal as you like with a fig. You could take a three metre fig down to a one metre and it would thank you for it. It'll probably fruit better than the ne in the next season. So I've got two enormous fig trees and I really, one of them's brown turkey and it is huge. I looked at it a couple of days ago and just thought, right, this winter when you're naked, I'm going to have to really, really give you a good hack back. I won't take it back to a stump or a metre. I'll probably take it back by half. And I also need to cut it away from, I've got a beautiful Viburnum placatum lanarth shrub and I've just realised that the, the fig is actually weighing down on top of it. So... I'm really tempted to do it now, but the figs are just starting to ripen, so I'm thinking, mm, I think I better wait. Having said that, the birds are getting most of the figs anyway, so we, we probably get not even a quarter of the figs, but I don't really mind because there's only so many figs one person can eat or two people can eat, and it's just lovely watching the birds, especially the wax eyes, flitting through the tree and thoroughly enjoying the fruit. Continue to plant vegetables for winter harvest. It's a great time to plant leeks. I find leeks and spring onions very irritating, <laughs> partly because when you buy them in punnets, they tend to be these weedy little things, and you think, how on earth am I supposed to plant that? Particularly as in each six cell, they tend to have, they might have six or eight plants, if not more. So it is a great idea to buy them in bundles if you can, or like at Bay Landscapes, we have them in those poly boxes, and you can just buy them as, as I think it's a bundle of, of 10 for $2.50, and it's just a great way to do it because they tend to be larger plants and they're easier to plant. The rule of thumb with leeks is to get a dibber or make a hole and just drop the leek plant into the hole and water it in. Don't for form, ugh, I really am struggling. Don't firm the soil, don't form, good grief. Don't firm the soil around them. <laughs> it feels strange, but it really works well. Happy gardening. Hope you enjoyed today's show. 
If you have any questions about anything I covered, email me at nelson at freshfm.net. Green Thumbs and Dirty Fingers airs Tuesday morning 20 to 11 and replays Sunday afternoon 20 to 3. Previous editions of this show are available as a podcast from our website, freshfm.net, or through the Access Internet Radio app. Thanks to the Nelson Farmers Market at Kirby Lane every Wednesday from 8.30am to 1.30pm for supporting a show about gardening. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.